There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. First of all, I want to speak with Dr. Edward O'Sullivan, who's clinical director of the Headache Migraine Clinic at the Department of Neurology at CUH. And, and Edward, just at the weekend, we had an incident. A migraine invaded one of our own events at home. So it can come quickly and it causes chaos. We'll talk about a new pilot scheme in a minute that's been rolled out around the country, a, a kind of a support pathway. But first of all, Dr. O'Sullivan, how common are migraines and what is a migraine? Good morning. Well, good morning. Well, first of all, migraine is the, is the most common of the neurological conditions. It, you know, it, it's, it's primarily a severe headache, but there's a lot of other symptoms as well. It affects uh, 10 to 12 percent of the population and is three times uh, more common in women and often affects uh, people in the prime of their lives in the sense of beginning off in their late teens early 20s and uh, staying with them throughout their adult lives and then tending to disappear uh, in older age people let's say in their 50s and 60s but uh, it's a it's a condition that you know is quite frequent then in terms of attacks the average patient will get one to two attacks per month and of course what differentiates it from other uh, ordinary headaches let's say is the severity uh, and the impact it has uh, on the individual mm. how can you tell the difference between a bad headache and a migraine because you know you get a headache and you think oh my god this is this is worse than a normal little ache is it a migraine how can you tell well it, it first of all it, it's differentiated clinically <clears throat> Um, based on the on the symptoms, so there's no test that you can do uh, to diagnose migraine in that sense. Uh, in about 20% of migraine patients, they will get what's called aura symptoms prior to the headaches, and the most common aura symptom will be a visual one consisting of you know flashing lights, zigzag lines, areas of loss of vision, mm. lasting from anything up to an hour, usually about five uh, to 20 mm. minutes, and then it's often followed by a headache. The headache itself then can vary in location, can be either one-sided or both sides, but all patients will tend to uh, describe it as being severe. It's a throbbing, pounding, uh, pulsating, uh, worsened by movement, and then it's often got the accompanying symptoms of intolerance to light and intolerance to sound and nausea, which frequently leads to vomiting uh, for many patients. And then, of course, when when you're suffering from all these symptoms, the impact is that the patient is generally unable to function yeah. and they need to lie down in a quiet, dark room and attacks can last for anything from four to 72 hours. Yeah, that little flickery thing, it, it's like something annoying you out of the corner of your eye that you know is not there. Is, is that the, one of the signals? 
that's the early symptom of them those patients who got the aura symptoms that kind of flickering image and and of course patients know what's coming next and and often that's an opportunity to treat the attack early with, with treatments and hopefully abort uh, the development of the de- severe symptoms of mm-hmm. headache and the associated uh, like symptoms. can you stop it at that stage when you see the flicker <laughs> Well, everybody's every patient is different, and of course, you know, in terms of management of migraine, uh, you know, different treatments will work for different patients. It's unpredictable which treatment will benefit the patient most. So you need to then we we get all patients that say with who suffer from recurrent attacks to keep diaries, looking at treatment options, simple treatments like over the counter analgesics such as uh, paracetamol or soluble aspirin Mm -hmm. can be very effective if taken early. But however, they don't work on all patients yeah. uh, and then you're 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 up into the kind of the prescribed medications and there are a lot of specific migraine therapies uh, for the treatment of the acute attack medications called triptans and again it's important um, irrespective of what you take to take it early in the attack because that's most likely to benefit patients then whilst if you delay taking it uh, it's less likely to work you, you said that some cases go in a few hours others can last a while it can be very debilitating i suspect if you get them frequently well, again, this is why it's 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 recognised, you know, uh, by the migraine association and by patient supports group just how debilitating it can. It's one of the leading causes of disability uh, worldwide by the World Health Organization in terms of its, you know, of its impact on individuals, in terms of their ability to work, uh, you know, examinations, uh, and it's a very controlling disorder if you're not able to manage it. And of course, not only is the individual attack very debilitating, but the frequency in which attacks occur varies quite a lot and quite and a lot of many patients will get very frequent attacks. So this can be a very controlling condition on the patient's uh, life. Yeah, yeah. Is it a genetically caused condition or is it triggered by something in the lifestyle? You often hear people saying, oh, I can't eat cheese, it gives me migraines. Does something like that happen? Well, it's a combination of things. Certainly there is what we would call a family or a familial predisposition towards uh, developing migraine and you often will see it you know, go down through the generations. If one or both of your parents uh, suffer from migraine, then you probably have somewhere in the region of a 25 to 50% likelihood of getting the condition yourself. But there's also quite clearly trigger factors um, associated or triggering individual attacks and making patients susceptible. And I think uh, the most common triggers would be, obviously, it's more it's a condition that's more common in women by it three to one and compared to men and women are very vulnerable to attacks mm-hmm. in around the time of the menstrual cycle usually just prior to it ah. but then there are other trigger factors such as dietary ones cheese as you just mentioned chocolate um, and you know food additives uh, alcohol and, and then stress itself change in lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. lack of sleep overtiredness so all of these trigger factors uh, are not the cause of your migraine but they do potentially trigger individual attacks and right. that's why again you explore these in terms of trying to limit the likelihood of attacks uh, occurring. So I guess if you get them frequently, you should possibly try to think, well, is there something I'm doing or I'm eating or I'm drinking or a situation which I find myself that's triggering them and that's that's probably half the half the battle. Now talk to me about this new support pathway, Doctor. What's that about? <clears throat> well, it, it's really an integrated care p- plan between primary and secondary care. It's, it's all part of the, the Slauncher Care Project, which we're all from familiar with looking at. You know, it, within the hospital environment and the neurology departments, we have headache clinics and, you know, they see tend to see the more debilitating end of migraine. 
um, you, you know, and, and there's also newer treatments available which are only accessible through uh, appointments uh, in these clinics. Um, and therefore, it's, it's a, the integrated care pathway enables us that patients who are being seen regularly at clinics can be discharged back into the community if they're doing well so that their follow-up care can be managed uh, within general practice and also within community pharmacies. Uh, and this is where the um, pilot project, uh, which was uh, uh, in, in Dublin and in Galway last year, looked at the feasibility of this and, and it was very successful. Um, and it enables then patients to be discharged from clinics and then freeing up you know, appointment slots for right. new patients to be seen at the clinic. So, and there'll be so would this be for lines or something you'd go to a specialist clinic for a normal, you now will be able to follow up, say, with your GP or your pharmacist, is that it? Yes, this is it exactly. So that, you know, these patients aren't always being brought back to the clinic if they're doing well, it's just to, you know, to rubber stamp things that enables them to be followed up in the community and enables the clinic then to be seeing more and more individuals who have got debilitating attacks. How was the feedback on that? I, I imagine people would like that, you know, being able to go something as convenient as the pharmacy instead of having to wait to get to a clinic. <laughs> Well, it, 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 uh, the, the pilot project, which was uh, spearheaded by uh, Professor Hardiman in Beaumont uh, and uh, the HSE, you know, was very successful in terms of enabling this to happen. And the feedback, you know, both from the hospital and from the patients was very positive. Okay. Lastly, uh, people who suffer from them either occasionally or frequently, what advice would you give? See your GP in the first instance, I suspect. Well, I, I think anybody who suffers from well, first of all, they, you need to establish a diagnosis. So if patients are having a problem with the management of their headaches and they're affecting their quality of life and their lifestyle, they should certainly see their general practitioner and look at the, you know, is there a need to further investigate these headaches, number one? You know, do they suffer from a migraine or other headache disorders? So a, a correct diagnosis is always a, the most important jumping off point. And then because it's a recurrent condition, we, we'd encourage patients then to see their GP keep uh, headache diaries and then you look at the feasibility and the efficacy of uh, each individual treatment that they may have been prescribed and then as you outlined yourself looking and uh, trying to identify and avoid potential trigger factors and um, so that you build up uh, an individual blueprint for each patient in terms of how migraine affects them and what's okay. make what's going to make it uh, likely to occur and how effective and can, how can they manage it better. Okay, listen, good speaking with you. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Edward O'Sullivan. He's clinical director of the Headache and Migraine Clinic and Department of Neurology at CUH. Courts 96 FM.